Welcome to Orthodox Christian Meets World. My name is John Habib, and I'm a Coptic Orthodox Christian whose aim it is to provide people resources to deepen their walk with God and love of His Church. In this podcast, you will hear from my friend Francella Brown, who left a life outside of Orthodoxy and away from God, and then returned to Christ and was eventually baptized in the Coptic Orthodox Church. Here is her story. Process to get to baptism. Right. Was it difficult? Did the priest give you certain requirements? What was that right. like? Well, technically, I'm a, cat, I was, I'm a, I'm a catechumen. And um, uh, Father Pashoy was very prepared for, because the church, Yanni, was very um, mission driven, they were prepared for bringing people in who were coming in from all walks of life. Um, no religion, different religion, um, different um, sect of Christianity. Um, uh, etc. So there was first um, a meeting after liturgy, after the divine liturgy, um, called Joy Meeting, J O Y, Jesus, Others, and Yourself. And it was a very simple Bible study, and it was uh, open to everybody, but it was um, specifically for people who are walking into the church and maybe cannot connect with the liturgy. And so this is a way of getting people to ease in through the scriptures, because when you're people will believe the Bible <laughs> um, and the scriptures and they speak to you. And then it's, and after you go from reading the scripture, so that was a meeting, like a, a two hour meeting after liturgy every Sunday. And I loved it. And the Buddha sat down with us and we just took a small portion of scripture and even people who are already in the church, but hadn't read um, the word that much would come to this meeting and say, wow, like I've grown up in the church, um, a cradle cocked, right? Um, but I didn't even know that, that this is what the, the scriptures read. We weren't um, a fan of the Bible. Me, uh, all I had coming in was the Bible. So I loved this so much. Um, so that was, there was that meeting. And then coming into the liturgy, I would see that the liturgy is the gospel. It is the gospel because uh, whatever we would pray, I'd be like, that's from the book of Luke. Whatever we'd pray, I'd be like, that is from the Bible. That is from Isaiah. That is from this. That is. Say, for instance, um, talking about the, um, that, like the institution narrative. And it quotes, it talks about the, um, uh, um, the the Last Supper and the Lord instituting um, this new covenant. Um, this is my body and this is my blood. Take and eat of it, all of you. And I knew this from the gospel. Um, the Psalms coming from um, the book of Psalms. I love the Psalms. And we would read a psalm right before the gospel. Um, oh, goodness. It would just, things would just keep jumping out at me, jumping out at me all the time because I'm coming from what we, a, um, a Protestant is like Bible believing, sola scriptura. So if it's not, I was coming from the mentality of it's not the Bible, then it can't be Christian because that's what I was taught. Um, and so being in the liturgy, it helped that the, the, the we were, we're literally praying the scriptures, if you will. What were the most difficult things to you? Venerations of the saints. That was because you're taught you do not do that. So you're taught that Catholics worship Saint Mary, and we, and 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 you know Saint Mary. No, it's it's she's just a person. She's she's nothing particular, spectacular, um, nothing like that. And, and we're taught that they worship them, and so we're taught to be the complete opposite, as and completely disregard 
her. And and so veneration of the saints and the venerate the highest veneration being of Saint Mary was the hardest thing. I found that um, in in the church people would talk so much about the saints. I'd be like, does anyone talk about Jesus? <laughs> and being a being being from the, a Protestant uh, background, like. You don't talk to, you don't highlight anybody but Christ. You don't highlight anybody but Christ. Although, like, say, for instance, at my Bible study, one of the guys, he really loves St. Paul. He's like, St. Paul is like three quarters of the gospel kind of thing. But you don't talk about anybody more than Christ. And what I would hear is talks about saints, 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 to the point where I'm like, are you worshiping them? They're just people I don't understand. So at that time, I didn't understand the veneration, why we venerate, and, and why they're significant or who they are. To me, I was like, they're just people that went on like why did they, why does it matter when they said they have people said that they had relationships with the saints i didn't believe it because i'd never experienced that um eventually this the the scripture where talks of where, where saint paul, paul talks about that great um cloud of witnesses um who and that clicked for me one day and i was like whoa was before <laughs> baptism? this is before baptism so when you read that how did it click with, with you and how did you overcome your your concern about this i overcame my concern about it it became but i accepted that this is what the church does but it's not something that i'm fully immersed in i became um accepting of it and overcame it when i started to have a relationship with the saints myself so it's one thing for it to be head knowledge and to be okay yeah that makes sense um and certain people are good with like give it to me in writing. For me, it had to be an experience. And um, I began to experience a relationship slowly with St. Mary, who was first, and then with St. Verena. Um, Explain that. What do you mean? Um, and this was all again before baptism? Uh, actually, I, I experienced a relationship with the saints after baptism. That came after baptism. But you accepted but it? But I accepted a, it. As a... Yes. Part of the package. Yes, yes. And I asked a lot of questions. I was like, why in like, you know, um, uh, midnight praises and stuff like that do we speak so much about St. Mary? And why does it say that she is the, um, she is the constellation of, or whatever of, like, of like um, Moses and all these people? And, and slowly after a while, I began in, in Tezbah, it really helped when, the, um, when they talk about like the rod of Aaron and how she, that was a symbol of, uh, uh, Mary, uh, St. Mary's virginity, and they would talk about like the the um, like the Ark of the Covenant or the burning bush, and how you know she had like Christ in her, and he did not consume her. And I began to put these again more after baptism. I was able to appreciate, wow, like this is true. But it, it took a while. But there had to be an acceptance first, even though I didn't understand it and I hadn't personally experienced it. There had to be an acceptance first, and I accepted it because I was I couldn't deny that this is where God had led me. So I was like, Father even though I don't understand it yet. Um, I can't deny what you've shown me. I can't deny how in like how, how this is clearly where I'm supposed to be. So give me understanding. I would constantly pray, give me understanding. I would say, don't let me venerate what I'm not supposed to venerate and let me venerate what I'm supposed to venerate. And I would constantly pray that over and over again. Um, what would you say to someone who's struggling with this same issue? Mm. What would you say to someone who came from a Protestant background Right. Or not even Protestant, but especially from Protestant background. Yes. What would you say to them? I would say, based off of my personal experience, ask the Lord to open your eyes. Because no one can do it but Him. Sometimes head knowledge isn't enough because somebody can give you an 
another very um, uh, incredible theological answer that contradicts the truth and it can sound true. Um, and that's what I heard when I was, before I came to the Orthodox Church. Um, you don't have to go to a priest to confess your sins and blah, blah, blah. Even though the scripture says, confess your sins to one another. And the, and the history of the church, which is not, not everything is in the scriptures, which I also learned. The history of the church is that confession, when the church was small, was public. And that because the church grew big, confession became to between you and um, your spiritual father. These things I didn't understand. Um, but because I kept praying to the Lord, please, like, this is what I believe, God. But I have to admit that I know nothing. You have to first admit that you know nothing. And if you hold on to what I know is right, what I know is right, what I know is right, well, then even the Lord can't do anything for you because you're, you're not humbling yourself before him. So you say, Lord, either confirm what I know or change it to be the truth. But ultimately what I'm seeking is the truth. I'm not seeking what I want to believe. I want to know what the truth is. So tell me, um, when, you, when you finally agreed, did you ask for baptism? They tell mm -hmm. you you should be baptized? No. How, how did that happen? How did that happen? And then what's your experience been since baptism? Um, being in the congregation, I was accepted as if I was baptized. And this is very important. I was brought into the flock. I was in ministry. Um, I was um, loved as if I was born in the church. And because of that, my desire was to be baptized because I was like, all that's missing now, all that's missing now is this one final thing, which is communion. I would come to church and I could not go into that line to take communion. And it wasn't even about, at the time, it wasn't even about the theological um, truth of communion, that this is God's body and this is God's blood. And with that, apart from me, you have no life. It was, I'm in communion and fellowship with all these people, but I'm not in that line with them. And that... Um, I was like, no, I, this, this is missing. This is something that's missing. It was something strong in me. I, I was loved in every aspect and in every way. And yet in this one thing, which is the only, it was, it was the only thing that I could make a decision on, on my, by myself, I was sitting there and I'm like, why am I not in this line with them, with my family? It's almost as if this is your family that loves you, um, that you love absolutely, but you never sit down with them at dinner in the, the most intimate setting where you sit down together at dinner and you're together. Why? Why? Um, so I went up to Abuna Peshoy and I said, um, I don't, I want to be all in. I want to be all in because no one's kept anything back from me here. No one has kept anything back from me here. Everyone has loved me completely, loved me first. So I want to be all in to be, to be able to like fully experience this love. Since baptism, how has your relationship with God and the church and its history and its rituals, how has that developed? Oh, my goodness. Um, and, and like I like how you say uh, developed. And by the way, before that, there was catechism classes. Um, before baptism, everyone at our church goes through catechism classes. It's about a good nine weeks of giving us the basics of orthodoxy the basics, basics of the theology, of um, the hymnology class. Um, we can ask any questions that we want. Abuna is present and it gives us all of the details, which also gave me so much confirmation and, um, and peace. Did you like what you heard? I loved what I heard. I loved what I heard. Um, 
since baptism, it's constant, constant learning. It's constant learning. It's constant reading of the church fathers. Huge, <laughs> huge. I remember when I first read, it was not too long ago either, um, um, uh, Incarnation, the Incarnation, um, on the Incarnation by St. Uh, Athanasius. And it was as if I never knew anything about Christianity. And I was like, I never knew anything. I never knew anything. And my Bible was different after I read on the Incarnation. And I remember there was, um, in the book, the cover, the one that I had was, um, uh, there was a, a forward by C.S. Lewis. Big in Christianity, C.S. Lewis. Everybody loves C.S. Lewis. Everybody loves C.S. Lewis. And it says, talks about how the fathers, the church fathers, that is the foundation. C.S. Lewis, the church fathers is the foundation of our faith. And he said, he talked about how nowadays so many people want to read a synopsis that somebody else writes of the original. And he said, but why would you want to do that when the original has been tried and tested from the beginning and has stood the test of time? C.S. Lewis said this. And he said, I, my, my work has not been tried and tested. To this day, you don't know if it's going to be, if it's going to be tested in the fire centuries later to be true and to be proven true. But these works have been centuries tested, proven. So he said, if I had to tell you between which ones to read, the new or the old, and he said, even though I'm a writer of the new, he said, pass up mine and read the old. And that was the, and that was the, the forward. Um, and I read this book and I was like enlightened. And ever since then I was hooked. I was hooked. I had to reach the church, read the church fathers and reading anything beyond that. Why would I, why would I, it's already been laid out for us. It's already been, uh, it's, it's already been like the foundation is there and it's full of truth and it's full of riches. In developing your spiritual life, mm -hmm. um, tell me about um, what else, what else? The saints, um, um, reading about the sacraments. Um, Where did you read about them? It's very recently that I started reading about the sacraments. Um, it's um, How long ago were you baptized? I was baptized six years ago. Okay. Yeah, six years ago. Uh, and oh, it will be six years ago this October. Um, and so it's been like a, a continuous learning, learning um, of, of orthodoxy and then replacing what I already know, which is either incorrect or it's... Um, um, uh, only partial truth with truth. So it's not like wipe away everything that you know, start over again. No, God is very, very merciful and, and sweet, very much like if somebody's going through counseling. What somebody has is their, it's their safety net. It's their life support. It's their belief system. You don't take away someone's belief system without gently and lovingly replacing it with something else. And so, um, you know, still in the beginning, um, I was like very much like Bible, Bible, Bible. It's only in the Bible. And I remember when somebody told me before I was baptized, um, you know, not everything is in the Bible. I was so offended by him saying that even, you know. And so it's it's slowly, it's slowly learning. So learning about um, the sacraments right now, was, we're reading a book by... Um, uh, Father Alexander Schmemann, who was um, uh, a really great teacher at St. Vladimir's um, University, and he wrote, he, he would teach um, orthodoxy in colleges, um, in, in like um, Protestant 
Christian colleges about he would teach orthodoxy. He wrote this essay to his students to help them understand um, orthodoxy in a way that they could connect to it so it wasn't foreign to them. And he broke down... Um, it's called for the life of the world and this is what we pray in our liturgy that the lord he came for the life of the world um and he breaks down the sacraments not in a um this is eucharist this is when it changes this is when it changes but that it that orthodoxy is a sacramental life it is not something that i take and then i walk away my life is a sacramental life he, he breaks down what that is um um and he, and he says it in the most beautiful and poetic way so that's a book that i'm currently reading um a lot of Orthodox people mm. often criticize the Orthodox Church, mm. the Coptic Orthodox Church, mm. because its language is not inviting, right. its rituals are not inviting, mm -hmm. maybe even the appearance of its priests are not inviting. Mm -hmm. um, and many times, Coptic Orthodox Christians will go to Protestant, Protestant churches, mm -hmm. even if they still go to the Orthodox Church, they will... Yeah. Go to Protestant sources, yeah. books, sermons, right. talks, right. retreats, right. and that's where they receive um, a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment, sometimes in their view, mm -hmm. more than the Orthodox Church. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that? I, I do not criticize because I don't know what a person's walk is. I also don't criticize because... God is not limited to where he will meet someone where their heart decides to be open. Um, what I do say is that um, what I've noticed, because I have friends that are, uh, are going through that, it's, it's because it roots from something very personal. It roots from something very personal. Um, one thing I, I notice is that um, sometimes when you are uh, born in the Orthodox Church, there's not a lot of questions and therefore understanding what we're doing. And so it's like, this is what I've been doing my entire life. And because of that, it, it's kind of like a dry feeling. Like, it's, like it's, it doesn't have a lot of uh, spirit and life for me you know it's not I'm not it's not energetic and so they want to go to somewhere where they're feeling something because they be what work what they're going through has become kind of um uh, uh ritualistic perhaps or 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 dull or they don't feel the spirit of it or a lot of times because they don't have the proper understanding and the knowledge of it um if you're going from one place to another it's because you're seeking which is good um, but keep your mind open to truth and always ask the Lord to lead you to truth and put away, I, I would say, always put away your, um, your understanding, your feeling that you know everything. Um, and if you're leaving out of resentment, if you're leaving out of anger, then recognize that that's what's driving you away and not necessarily, um, not necessarily the fact that what what is here in this church is not fulfillment. So always look for the always look for the root cause of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, sometimes people have been hurt where they were born and where they were raised, and so they go somewhere else to find healing. But Rick, just always look for the root cause. Whatever is happening on the surface, there's something deeper below that's going on, and and 
if somebody can help you get to that, then that's where the healing um, is going to start. Um, but for me personally, um, the Orthodox Church, because this is the church that Christ left his disciples, and this is what the disciples brought to the ends of the earth. And this is what it's been established from the beginning. And I was never able to say that before because I always took a lot of personal, I always took it personally that someone say that about, about the church, if it wasn't the Protestant church, like, how do you know? How do you know? But I've, I've, I've read it. It's history. It's right there. It's not like, it's not like it's a feeling. This is fact, you know, um, don't run away from what God has established for you. The riches of what God has established for you because someone else has spoiled it for you. That's my that's that's my um if you need to find healing find healing but don't leave the riches of what god has given you because someone else has tainted it and made it taste bitter in some way shape or form find your healing with that relationship or with that bitterness but what god has left for you is what god has given us from the beginning is um everything that we need it reminds me a lot of when christ came and a lot of the sheep of, of, of the, the lost sheep of Israel strayed because of the teachings of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they were and, and the people who were left over God's church committed a lot of mistakes. And because of that, you have the lost sheep of Israel or because of just because of because of the way things happen. You have the Samaritans, the people who used to be, you know, look like descendants of the Jews. And they went and they went and worshiped idols. There are so many different routes that God's um, people went. And the Lord came to gather back the sheep, not to a separate church. His, his intention was not to be leave there and start something different. He specifically said, do as the Pharisees say. Why? Because they hold the law of Moses. As for their hypocrisy, I will deal with their hypocrisy. But they hold the truth. So do with what it is that they say to do. The Lord never said, leave. There was a lot of problems with, with the house of Israel. There was a lot of problems with the Jewish religion. He never said, leave. He said, I've come to gather you back. Who caused them to leave? They were pushed out because they were, they were followers of the way. And though the Jews who didn't want to accept Christ pushed them out. But one thing I always noticed is that God never told them, to leave. He said, this is what I have established for you from the beginning. And I will come and deal with all of the problems and the reasons why my sheep have been scattered. But my intention is to gather you back as one bride, not to scatter you. Coptic language. Mm -hmm. Was it a stumbling block? It wasn't because the church that I, the parish that I started out in, St. Saint Mar Saint Maurice and St. Verena, um, used only English because that was the one common language of everyone. And because of that, it wasn't a stumbling block. We only used a few phrases. Um, and stuff like that. So there's, um, and, and we always understood what those meant. So it wasn't a stumbling block. If there is a liturgical service where 25% of it's in Coptic, the mm -hmm. rest of it is in English, mm -hmm. do you think that the Coptic language should be eradicated from the Coptic church? No, no. Um, I don't think it should be eradicated. I do believe um, that we should use wisdom because um, I always look at the model of the, of the day of Pentecost. And um, it was very important, clearly, to God that every person pray in his own language um, in order for them to have understanding. Otherwise, it's 
what are you saying? What's the point of praying if there's no understanding? So I believe that we do need to use wisdom in, in terms of who is in our congregation um, so that each person can pray with understanding. Um, this is, however, the Coptic Orthodox Church, and that is a part of um, the history. And to keep that identity, I don't see anything wrong with keeping that identity at all. Um, but as long as we don't hold on to it to the point where it becomes an idol, anything in the church, it doesn't matter, anything in the church, um, as long as it doesn't become, as long as we don't hold on to something that becomes an idol, that is a stumbling block to others, but we're not willing to remove it in order for somebody to get closer to Christ. That At that point in time, we've done what they were doing in the New Testament, where the Judea, Judaizers would say, no, you have to be circumcised in order to be, um, in order to be Christian. And then St. Paul, and, and it was like, you know, they were like, we didn't teach you this at all. And then they had to gather, um, they had to gather um, the council in order to determine, well, ultimately, what is the goal here? The goal here is that people understand the love and the grace of Christ and they live a repentant life and that they are transformed. And therefore, there were certain things that were not required for salvation. So these things that were not required for salvation, if that is a stumbling block in any way, shape, or form to somebody of a lesser or a weaker face, well, let's get rid of it. So I think that we just need to use wisdom. Um, all things are beautiful as long as it's edifying. All things are beautiful as long as they are means to an end. Jesus always has to be the end. Everything is a means. If something becomes the end for you and it's actually not the means to an end, well, then we've created it to be an idol. And we count all things loss and, rub and loss and rubbish um, um, in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus. Last question. Yeah. So I, I, I've, um, I know that you visited the convent. What is your experience having done so? And um, you know, uh, what do you like about it? In the exact same way that the Lord prepared me to come to the, um, to the Orthodox Church by putting um, certain types of worship in me before I even saw it happening. The same thing has been happening with me when it comes to going to the convent. Um, um, so for me personally, um, I'm hungry for God. This is what God has given me is nothing by myself. And um, constant prayer is what satisfies me. And so um, monasticism, I you know, seven times a day, I will praise your name. Um, another thing is that, um, again, what God has put in me is my heart breaks for the, for the world that doesn't know Christ. It's heartbreaking. And I see my family members as icons of the world who don't know Christ. And, um, and so when we get up at four o'clock in the morning, to pray for the world, we genuinely do. Um, I can't go out there and preach gospel to the world, and I can't make everybody accept Christ. Um, but the only place that I feel like I can make a difference is by praying, praying um, for everyone, um, and praying for God to please have mercy and give us all one more day, give us all one more day to repent um, before you come. Um, I like silence. <laughs> um, I very um, within the last couple of years before I even came to the convent, I've stopped. Everything has become noise. So I don't listen to music at all. Christian music doesn't matter. 
Um, I don't watch TV or television shows, very rare movies. I only watch like Coptic Saints movies. Um, everything is just noise because I can't hear him. Um, and I think I've just always liked silence. That's why I would always travel and go away by myself. It's because I can't hear him in just the constant, constant noise and bustle of the world. Um, we don't still ourselves to hear that's that um, still small voice. God's voice is not always in the wind. It's not always in the earthquake. It's not always in the great fire. It's in a still small voice. And um, this is what uh, you practice in the convent. Um, uh, idle hands make for the devil's work, and this is true, and we constantly are working um, so that we don't get overwhelmed by our own thoughts. We're constantly praying so we don't get overwhelmed by the passions inside of us that are constantly trying to drive us away from holiness. And um, and also at the convent, um, serving others and putting yourself last and being obedient. Um, this is the spirit of being a Christian. And you practice that at the convent um, every single day.